Contained herein are the heresies of Radolf Burntwine, erstwhile monk-turned-traveling medical investigator. Join me as I uncover the blasphemous truth of a plague-ridden world, that ours is not a loving God, and we are not its favored children. The Heresies of Radolf Burntwine, coming January 2nd, wherever podcasts are available. I'm Keegan. And I'm Madigan. And you're listening to Your Angry Neighborhood Feminist. This is a podcast where we explore the world through our own personal feminist perspectives. That it is. I know that we test sound before we start recording every time, but still I use that opener as like a as like a test. Like I'm right. always like looking to be like, does Do we it, look okay? Does it sound okay? I thought that you just wanted to avoid my gaze. Well, I don't want to intimidate you and then, you know, have you mess up the spiel. Yeah. That's what happens to me. Yeah. So. <laughs> I mean, it doesn't take much for me either. I get one word off and it's like, uh-huh. we Completely start over. thrown, entirely thrown. Completely thrown. Well, I think we're feeling as usual. We're, feel, we're feeling tired, but we're feeling grateful to be here. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You know, it's just one of those weeks. Like, I'm just, it's my periods this week and my energy is just real low and I'm pretty much done with my period but I'm still like sad for no reason like I'm still in that like real depressy like every tiny thing I'm taking super personally oh no I (laughs) hate that and I that's always me before my period yeah and that almost sucks worse because I don't have any evidence for it so I'm just like why am I being crazy and then like days later I get my period and I'm like JK everybody we're good the fires have been put out yeah yeah and we're fine there's a reason for my insanity it's bad when you know though as well because it just feels like you're you know you're being irrational Mm -hmm. you know Mm because I'm just like I there is no reason for me to be this upset about like nothing you know but I am anyway and I'm just like well this is where I am right now so yes exactly it's all just about accepting where we are (laughs) at the time so I have some really devastating news that I don't know if you have stuff written about this too because I feel like it's pretty it's been pretty big world news would you like me to go first yes you go first okay so this was recommended by a listener actually as I was taking notes for this so I was like I know what you're gonna talk about yeah don't have notes on it but I did read up on it perfect we can both discuss it then um so I wanted to talk about the alleged uh murder of Masa Amini On September 16th, a 22-year-old Iranian woman named Masa Amini died allegedly as a result of police brutality. I'll explain why I say allegedly. Uh, She was stopped by the guidance patrol, who has been nicknamed the, quote, fashion police or the morality police, Mm. for not wearing her hijab correctly. So... The guidance police started as a way specifically to police hijabs. And I have it written somewhere. I want to say it was 2005 that it started. I just can't find it in my notes. Yes, they were developed in 2005. And they are known as a sort of vice squad slash Islamic religious police within law enforcement of the Islamic Republic of Iran. Uh, And like I said, it was developed with the sole purpose of arresting women who improperly wore the hijab. The guidance patrol consists of a crew of men in a van who then send women out to busy public places to spot other women who aren't wearing their hijab properly, and they can go back and tattle to guidance patrol. And I don't have notes on this, but I was doing some more reading throughout the day, and guidance patrol is known for assaulting 
uh, people that are under arrest for, you know, these offenses, quote unquote, and they are known to be quite rough. And it's obviously mostly women that are being targeted in this because it was formed to police how women wore their hijab or if they were wearing it and so on and so, so forth. OK, I don't know. I, I, when they're arrested, like, are they're arrested and put in jail or are they just given like a warning? No, they're taken to another place where they're supposed to be like. I can't remember if they said re-educated or educated. They get like, yeah, what? they get like a talking to. So they get sent to like, they call it like the morality something. Are they held there? I don't have all those details, but I know I would assume because you are kind of, it's law enforcement. You're arrested and you have to go. So I don't know if this is like that something is... you have to do, but she was, they were planning on taking her there. But witnesses say that she was not complying with these officers. And so they started getting really aggressive with her. And she ended up smacking her head on the police car. And with this injury, she, instead of being sent to this second location, she was taken to a hospital where she went into a coma for the next two days. And police, the reason I said I'll explain the alleged part of it all, they made an announcement that she had sudden heart failure what? at the age of 22. Sudden heart failure and a stroke. There's also been some medical like scans that have been leaked online where they show uh, like a cerebral hemorrhage and, you know, things like that. So doctors who are just on the internet are like, no, this is, you know, conclusive with her getting hit in the head. And well, they do obviously, say that like, she was like concussed afterwards, you know? If she was taken to the hospital for a head injury, right. wouldn't it make sense that she went into a coma as a result of the head injury? Like it's Well, not right, but they were trying to... Co- I don't know if they thought that maybe none of the medical records would get out because they initially tried to cover it up saying there's no crime here. She, you know, we brought her inside and she just like collapsed. Like we don't know what happened. And... Because of all of this, people were very, very concerned. She slipped into a coma for the next two days and eventually succumbed to her injuries. And her family wasn't allowed to see her. There's a a lot more information on that. That's really devastating. Um, The state of her body was just so bruised and beaten and terrible that her family knew, you know, that there was more to the story than what was going on. And it became not just a nationally known story, but an internationally known story very, very quickly. Protests began to pop up in her hometown of Sekez and outside the hospital where she was being treated. In the following days, protests spread to other cities, leading to streets being blocked off and violent police presence, lots of pepper spray going on, intimidation. Because you can't just let people dress the way they want to. Exactly. That's so, or you're trying to enforce your particular set of religious beliefs. Exactly. On an entire population of individuals. Like that's what a dumb reason. Yeah. For somebody to lose their life. And they're escalating it. Well, and more people lose their lives, unfortunately, because these protests became more and more violent. On September 19th, five were killed in Iran's Kurdish region when security forces opened fire during protests. And it happened at different protests. Like, this didn't happen in one city. Two were killed in Sakez. Two more were killed by, quote, direct fire. And and I'm sorry if I mispronounced any of these names. I did my best. Divandera. And another was murdered in Dengolin. One of these victims was a 10-year-old girl who was shot in the head. Absolutely disgusting. 
That's tragic. It truly is. On September 20th, women in Sari burned their hijabs in a large bonfire to cheering crowds. And this video of the event went viral online. I'm sure a lot of you have seen it. I've been seeing Mm -hmm. it pop up on a lot of different Instagram accounts and things like that. And the protests haven't stopped today that we're recording. September 22nd, protesters burned police stations and cars. The hashtag Masa Amini is trending on Persian Twitter, and I think it's growing across, you know, international Twitter at this point. And women are sharing videos of themselves cutting their hair in solidarity. Well, I'm glad that the people are rising up against this. Yeah, I, I really am glad that it has sparked this kind of outrage because it seems like it's very much needed. Yes, because I think so often the people in power will try and convince you that like we're protecting what the people want. We're protecting what society wants and expects. And society is saying like, this isn't what we want. Yeah. We want the freedom to be able to choose how we live our own lives. Exactly. Without fear of violence. And like, they're being retaliated against. It's really, really terrible. And essentially, Masa's family is calling for a further investigation, which appears to be underway. I mean, especially because it's gotten the media coverage that it has. Mm-hmm. Um, I, that's a good thing. You know, hopefully the family will get that support in a proper investigation. But it was just such a devastating story. She was so young. She was visiting, you know, that city with her family. She wasn't even from there. She was with her brother. She was only 22 years old. Not that it matters, but she was gorgeous. You know, like there's just so many elements of the story and how sad it is. But at the same time, how heroic for her to stand up to that authority in any sort of way, especially when it's known how dangerous it could be. So I'm not saying that we should all go down like martyrs. But the fact that she used her voice, it sounds like, to defend herself is a very brave thing to do. Yeah. I mean, unfortunately, sometimes that's what it takes to see this kind of like change or at least expression of wanting change. Yeah. Um, I did also hear that Iran's president or prime minister, I don't know who it is. Okay. He had agreed to an interview, um, I think with an American reporter and canceled it last minute because she refused to wear a head covering (gasps) during the interview. She was like, I'm not, going to do that and so he canceled the interview oh my gosh just, I wonder what that interview would have been like you know what I like that it sounds like he probably would have done his best to manipulate that interview oh certainly if he was so easily easily to step away right I mean and you for know. that reporter what would it have said to have complied yep in this instance, given 100%. the context of, yes. of this situation. like th- You know what side he lies on when he says something like yeah. that. And that's so disheartening because I, I don't know anything about Iranian politics or anything like that. But I can imagine that the higher ups can do their best to prevent the investigation from being thorough. You know, there are things that could get in the way. And this family truly does deserve as much peace as they can possibly find from this situation. Yeah, I mean, and it goes without saying, obviously, like, you should do whatever you want to do with your body in accordance to whatever beliefs that you have. And, like, this is not a, like, (laughs) anti-hijab stance. It's, it's like, these are men in power who are using their own religious beliefs to manipulate other people exactly who don't have don't share those exact same beliefs like that and that's not it's never okay it doesn't matter which religion we're talking about here right you know like your choice is your choice if it, it if it's 
your decision to wear a hijab, then that is perfectly right. fine. Absolutely. You are more than welcome to do whatever suits your fancy. Yeah. Well, let's take a quick break and then we'll come back with some more news. Well, if we have to. <laughs> are you ready to shop? Rakuten's Big Give Week is back. Get 15% back at hundreds of stores. And it's all happening this week, May 6th to May 13th. It's the perfect time to shop for everything on your list for spring and summer, like clothing, outdoor gear, and travel. I know I'm using this week to stock up on some warmer weather essentials at Ray-Ban and Ulta, and I love that Rakuten even helps me save on travel at sites like Hotels.com. Rakuten really is the best way to shop, and you can save even more by stacking cash back on top of deals. Plus, during Big Give Week, that cash back is bigger than ever. With Rakuten, membership is free. And when you sign up and shop today, you get an extra 10% cash back boost. That's an extra 10% cash back on top of the 15% cash back. You won't see higher cash back rates than these. Go to Rakuten.com or download the Rakuten app. R-A-K-U-T-E-N. Shoppers get it. Hey there, this is Justin Bartha. I made a funny new podcast, King of the Egg Cream. It has the greatest cast in the history of podcasts with actors like Louis Black. I'm torn by my feelings for two women. Bobby Cannavale. You can eat it, or if someone hits you, you can put it on your cut. Melanie Linsky. I wonder what these marvelous things are that look just like boiled chicken feet. Jason Ritter. I can break things and pick locks and kill people. Michael Stuhlbarg. The whole point is to inspire people that they should make themselves better. Ari Grainer. No, don't whet its appetite. What are you, an idiot? Me, Justin Martha. That's not just any egg cream, that's a Lemke's special. And all narrated by the hilarious Richard Kind. This is the story of Harry Dalowitz. And how he rose from nothing to become New York's King of the Egg Cream. So if you like funny true stories, come listen to King of the Egg Cream, available wherever you get your podcasts. And we're back. Okay, so we got big uh, podcast-adjacent news this week. Okay. Uh, that oh, yes, we did. Oh, my God. Why didn't I even think of this? Adnan Sayed. Has been released from Can you believe prison. it? This is, it is such an interesting moment um, because I feel like Serial was like the godfather of all podcasts. Like, yeah. I feel like Serial was the podcast that got people interested in, in listening to podcasts. Listening to yeah. podcasts. And it was truly I mean, we can all remember a worldwide sensation. It, I mean, truly. The first season yeah. of Serial. Of and I remember listening to it and I had so many conversations. So, of course, everybody had an opinion right. on, on Adnan's case. And I do remember coming out of it saying, well, even if he is guilty, mm-hmm. the way that this trial went down exactly was not enough to put a 17-year-old... Away for life for the rest of his life, especially having no, you know, prior criminal history. I mean, I guess murder that doesn't really matter, but I mean, it was. I kind of always fell in the same lane because there's a lot of people out there that are very, they very staunchly believe in his innocence, and I'm a fan of a lot of those people. I think a lot of those people are very, very smart, so it's easy for me to kind of like fall into that. But at the same time, I've read something. So it's like, I don't really truly know, but I believe that he was not treated fairly. And I do believe that he can come out and be a well-adjusted, great member of society. I'm a really big fan of Rabia Chaudhry, who oh, is yeah. his friend mm-hmm. slash like 
lawyer and all I that. I think kind she's of related stuff. to and him too. I think she's like no, a she was. Or well, like, she was. She's married to someone in his family or something like that. But she's not related by blood. But she's like adjacent. Yeah, part yeah. of the family in some way, shape, or form. She's great. She's amazing. Yeah. She's like super, super amazing. Um, but yeah, this blew my mind because. I think it was probably about a year ago. I think it was last summer that they tried to get the case seen in front of a judge again. Yeah. So Do you have notes on that? Okay, me, good. Because I was, I haven't. it down. Good. Because I was going to say, I haven't read into that yet. And I was like, wait, how did this happen? Yeah. I do want to give um, a lot of the information I got was from a New York mag article. And then also I listened to the day after it happens, I think on Tuesday this week of the New York Times podcast, The Daily, they had on Sarah Koenig, who, and it was so wild. Honestly, to hear I can't, I couldn't stand Sarah Koenig. I love her. Why? She was so like, is it non mad at me? He seems really mad oh, at me well, today. Yes. Oh my God. I just, wow, come on and non tell me if you did it or not. I, I didn't get that impression. Really? I mean, I oh, were- I feel like it's a really popular opinion. People are like, she is so whiny. I just, I listened to it like a couple of times in different like periods of time in my life. And the more I listen to her, I'm like, come grow up. I like, I, I like Sarah Kane. I'm sure I would love her in person. This is the thing. This is not a personal attack. I didn't like how close and personal she got with him, where it seemed like she was blurring some lines with me that I didn't like. And I felt like she wanted him to be her boyfriend. And it felt weird to me. <laughs> okay. I didn't get that impression. Okay, fine. I, that was how I took it. I feel like, yes, I do feel like she got very personally invested yeah. in his case and in his innocence. And so mad at him um, that he wouldn't tell her these things. I'm like, it's none of your business. And he's trying to get appeals and shit. And you're just throwing this shit on the internet. Sorry, these are my feelings on Sarah Kidding. Yeah, I can tell you feel quite passionately. <laughs> um, oh, right. Didn't think you'd be getting that from me today. It is called your angry neighborhood feminist. Yeah, whatever. Uh, but she was on the daily and I just I it, for me, it was such a oh, it would be nostalgic. Past. It was very cool to hear her in her very Sarah Koenig way talk about this, um, which I, I <laughs> just laugh personally. <laughs> So on Monday, a judge in Maryland overturned the first degree murder conviction of Adnan Sayed um, for the death of his ex-girlfriend, Heyman Lee. So let's break down why he was released. Right. First of all, the motion to vacate was put into motion by the prosecutor's office of all places. So this was not... Put in, I mean, it was put into motion from his defense team in that they... Put, well, they've been pushing for it for years, right? For but this particular... Yeah, this motion was like filed by the prosecutor's office. Are there new, is there like a new DA or a new prosecutor? Or has there been change that would make that happen? So, okay. That you know of? So, first of all, I do want to note before moving forward that he's not been fully exonerated. He right. has, he's been released. His, he's been released. He is on house arrest for the first like 30 days or something like that. Um, but, they are saying that the conviction has to be vacated because the case was mishandled and dishonest. Yeah. They did not investigate fully enough and the evidence that was relied upon heavily to make the case against Adnan should not have been. Yeah. 
A year ago in Maryland, a new law came into effect called the Juvenile Restoration Act. Yes. And this act, I think that's what you were talking about, is like a year ago something was happening. It was literally almost exactly a year oh ago. Oh my gosh, there's a show called Kids Behind Bars, I think. It's mm-hmm. on Hulu or whatever. And it's all it's because of like these laws popping up in different states. Yeah. All of these juvenile offenders are getting their trials like reheard. It's yes. fascinating. Which of course, it he should was 17, be. And you know, I think that that's how every juvenile offender should be handled, especially in something involving murder and serious violence. I think that checking in on them and seeing their progress, even if they do end up spending the rest of their life in prison, I just think it's important to be able to give them a chance to like finish growing their frontal lobe a little right, bit, you exactly. know? Exactly. So this act in Maryland says that if you have served at least 20 years in prison for a crime you committed when you were a juvenile, you can ask the court to reduce your sentence or release you. So as we said, Adnan was only 17 years old when he was arrested. Mm -hmm. So the day that the law went into effect, his attorney delivered his case to the state attorney's office to review. So prosecutors. Yeah. Yeah. He was wasting no time. Yeah, no time. The day that it happened. They were counting (laughs) it down. The minute. They were like, okay, three, two, one, bam, paper on the table. The sentencing review unit for the prosecutor's office handled the case and began to look into the facts of the crime. So the officer they handed the case to was a woman named Becky Feldman, who had previously worked as a public defender. Okay. So she knew how to look at these cases through like a defender's eyes she can look at it from both like lenses Mm -hmm. kind of yeah but she worked uh for the sentencing review board for the prosecution nice right which is um, those are the kinds of people you want i was just gonna say i feel like that is a very important quality to have yeah yes to be able to be objective and not just be like i'm a prosecutor i've been a prosecutor all my life i play for this team right like to be able to say like i've been on the other side i'm the good guy i'm the good you know there's always that Mm -hmm. kind of notion as well Mm mm-hmm uh, and while she was reviewing this case, she was like, something doesn't look right. I Did can't. she not listen to Serial? Right, exactly. <laughs> I'm like, yeah, something isn't looking right, Jay. Yes. <laughs> so uh, eventually she ended up calling up Adnan's attorney and working with his attorney. Oh, my God. To pick through the prosecution's case. She was <sighs> like, I didn't go into this wanting to dismantle the prosecution's case. It's right. just what happened because right. when because I was something reviewing looked it, fishy. Yeah, I was like, this this doesn't look right. There's not enough information here. Yeah. I love woman. Uh-huh. Knew it. <laughs> Becky Feldman, yeah. Oh, love it. Of course. While going through the case file, she finds some, and this was like their smoking gun. She finds some handwritten notes that were written fr- by the prosecutor at uh-huh. the time. Handwritten notes talking about a potential alternate suspect in the case that was never presented to Adnan's defense. Who is it? They never, we don't know. The oh. names haven't been disclosed yet, but there's actually, there's two. So the notes were written by a prosecutor at the time and detailed two different uh, detail that two different people had called to give information about the same suspect. So okay. one guy, um, the calls for this one suspect came months apart, so they were unrelated. <gasps> there were two different people, oh and this was all prior to Adnan's trial. But <gasps> these this, these tips came in. They accused the person of having a motive to kill Heyman and having threatened to quote make her disappear or kill her. I think it was the boyfriend. We don't know. I truly think it was her boyfriend. They were like, oh, your mom says that you were at Lens Crafters this whole time. We believe your mom. I haven't listened to Serial since it came out. So the details are a little fuzzy. For I me. have wa- well, I watched recently the uh, case, case against, against Adnan, Adnan Syed. Yeah. And I'm a, I listen to TCO when I go to sleep. 
So sometimes oh, yeah, I wake yeah. up in the middle of the night and I get I get little bits and pieces of a serial coverage or a something or other. So kind of through that time when I'm doing like my mindless listening while I clean and stuff. I it's think been that's absorbed. how I, yeah, I know a lot about this case through that. And because I, I've like re-listened and re-watched because I, I am so captivated and I wanted to have like Sarah, I'll give her this. I wanted to have a definitive answer for myself. And yes. that's why I've always been so did. curious. Yeah. And it's why these unsolved cases, I love and hate them at the same time because I just want to know. Yeah. Because you otherwise know? you feel unsatisfied. You don't have closure. There's no settle, like mm-hmm. settling in my body with that afterwards. I'm like, but I have to know. And like, it just seemed so unfinished to me. I think it's the boyfriend. Okay. Sorry. Continue. Okay. Uh, so when the state looked into this suspect, so this one suspect, this first one, um, over the past year, when they were re-examining this case, they found that the suspect was credible. Mm. He had motive, opportunity, and means to kill <laughs> Heyman. And so they had another credible suspect that they never gave Adnan's defense. They yeah, just well, hid that evidence. Because they they had who they wanted. And right, I, which you're not allowed to do that. You're not allowed to do that. And it's interesting because I believe this was still in the 90s, right? That this case... Yes. Because... I mean, I think even before 9-11, there was a lot of like Islamophobia and things like that. But I feel like a lot of that tied into it as well. I think this was 1999. So it was just before. Um, So the fact that the prosecution did not turn this information over to the defense at the time is what's called a Brady violation. And it would be cause enough on its own to overturn Adnan's conviction. Yeah. There was another suspect. Like I said, there were two. Um, both men have criminal records, one for a series of sexual assaults and is now in prison for sexual assault. Oh my God. And uh, one of the men has connections with the location where Heyman's car was found. So, at the Best Buy parking lot? Best Buy parking lot. Oh my God. Why? I feel like I'm walking down memory lane a little bit with everything you're saying. Like I'm remembering little things. But because, because you know, there's not any evidence necessarily, like their, their names haven't been publicly released. Because right, they're because like, there's, they're not even like a noted person of interest right, or whatever. But they could become that now that I Adnan, would Adnan's case is being... Love that. In addition to all of that, which is... Enough, Everything, right? Yeah. <laughs> There's all the old information as to how the case was initially handled. The state's main evidence at trial was faulty at best. The prosecution's star witness, Jay Wilde's story, constantly changed. Yep. The prosecution knew that at the time, but told the jury that even though Jay may not seem the most reliable, they had cell phone tower evidence to back up his testimony. Talk about that cell tower mm-hmm. evidence, baby. Right. I feel like how many times when listening to Serial were they like, the, the cell records? Yes, they talk about it a million times and did it mean anything absolutely not I mean it turns out that at the time even the stack of cell tower records when they were handed over to the police said any incoming calls will not be reliable information for location and I'm pretty sure the AT&T guy either was in a documentary I watched or was on the stand at some point who even stated that because I know that it was the cell phone tower information that they've been using to try to get their appeal for years yes yeah it is but the jurors at the time were like we didn't really trust jay but the prosecution kept saying but the cell phone tower records like you have to trust it's it's and it's science it's on paper yeah Mm -hmm. exactly 
The motion to have Adnan's conviction vacated also pointed out that one of the two main detectives on the case, Bill Ritz, had been accused of misconduct for another murder case mm. that went to trial the same year as Adnan's. Ooh. In that case, he was accused of manipulating evidence, fabricating evidence, and not disclosing evidence that could hurt the prosecution's case. In 2016, the person that was convicted in that case was exonerated. Holy so, Titsicles. Mm-hmm. They have just like stuff on stuff on stuff. So because of all of this, the, the state had to admit that their case had been faulty and were forced to vacate Adnan's conviction. They have 30 days to file for a new trial, but chances are Adnan will never be tried again for the murder of Heyman Lee and will remain a free man after spending over half his life in prison. I am so happy for him and his family. I am happy for him as well. I'm just going to wrap this up with one thing, though. Okay. Because I feel like it, it has can't to be said. all be sunshine, lollipops, and rainbows. No, of course not. Not on this show. <laughs> I feel like we just need to quickly touch on the fact that this happens way too much in our country. Yeah. Our criminal justice system is a mess, yeah. as we have often said. Um, and it's one of the reasons that I don't believe in the death penalty is yeah. because this kind of thing happens so yeah. That's at the top of my list. Yeah. Adnan is the 23rd man in Baltimore alone to have his murder conviction thrown out because of official misconduct. And that is just one city. city. So think about how often that happens in the entire country. Yeah. Adnan's lawyers tried again and again to get the state to reexamine things that they knew to be faulty, like the cell phone records. And they attempted to file appeals in 2010 and 2014, both of which were denied. Yeah. And look at all of this stuff we have. But the system is not set up. Once you're convicted, it's not set up to let you out. You're stuck. Getting that overturned is really, really difficult. True. So he is an anomaly. It's the combination of the fact that his case was the subject of a nationwide obsession due to serial and also subsequent TV specials. And this new law happened to come into effect in his city that provided him with this opportunity to be released. There are tens of thousands of wrongfully convicted people who remain in prison across the United States and because they're anonymous and underrepresented, they will likely stay there for the rest of their lives. Yeah. I mean, a great resource is the Innocence Project. And I've also started listening to, not to keep talking about the Obsessed Network stuff because we're not on their network, but there's a show called um, Unjust and Unsolved. Mm -hmm. And I love the host and she's really great because she's worked with the Innocence Project in the past and all this kind of stuff, but she focuses each week on a different incarcerated individual who claims that they're innocent. And she does a lot of vetting beforehand to make sure that they're really people that she wants to focus her time and energy on. And um, yeah, it's, they're really powerful stories because it is so sad to think about all of the lives that have been wasted because of the system just completely bombarding them. And there's so many different reasons for this to happen to people. And people have this idea that it's like, especially with false confessions where it's like, well, if you didn't do it, why would you say you did? (laughs) And there's so much more to it. And I think that humans are just so much more complex than that. Yes. And we have to have a better understanding of that in our judicial system for it to become more fair. And we have to start with getting rid of the death penalty everywhere. I agree. Because it just, it leaves it leaves no room for error. Right. Yes, I agree completely. And, you know, also, especially when dealing with minors, oh. like I just think that having this kind of like lock them up and throw away the key approach to a 17 year old right. 
is so cruel in a way that feels archaic to me. Like it feels medieval to me. Certainly. Yeah. You know, I agree. I think that it, I believe that it definitely should depend on the offense, but I definitely don't believe that life imprisonment for someone who is under 18 should be allowed. At at least without Give us some parole. Yeah. Without any review is, is kind of the thing is like, if there are truly dangerous people out there who truly. are dangerous by the time they're 17 yes. and will remain dangerous for the rest of their lives. Especially right? if they're not given help when yeah. they're juveniles, yes. you know. That can happen, right? But like to just say, this is it. You're convicted. We're done. We're never, we're never going to look at you again. We're and never going to re-examine this. And sucks, and I just remember this, is like if you're sent to life in prison or if you're on death row, you're not given the same opportunities necessarily for like schooling, yeah. you know, work oh, yeah. responsibilities, things like that, because they've given up on you. They know you're never going to get out. They don't have to prepare you for anything. So they're not giving you a fulfilling life even while you're in prison. Right. Like you can is, even call it that, you know, I'm so happy. You know, there was that video clip that went viral of like Adnan going into his parents refrigerator and taking out leftovers and like eating leftovers out of the fridge and like that's such a heartwarming moment it's such a normal thing such a normal thing that he hasn't gotten to experience and I just I'm so happy for his family uh and for him but I do wonder like how difficult is it going to be for him to reassimilate and acclimate himself to life on the outside I mean I think that he's had enough people in his life that his like socialization might be better because I think that there are so many people that he interacts with that were outside. Um, But I think that it's always going to be tough because you're going to have the naysayers. You don't have the job experience, the education. Mm -hmm. But I also think that again, because of his publicity and everything feels like the wrong word, but you know what I'm saying? Yeah. I think that that can help him. Mm -hmm. And that's not a negative thing. I think that the support that he got throughout his time in prison will hopefully continue at least for right now, you know, and I have seen some like funds that have been started by the family to help support Adnan. His mom is ill, I've heard. So there's, you know, a lot of attention on them for that. But I also just wanted to mention, you know, Heyman Lee's family is a little bit indifferent about this situation. Yeah, her brother, um, made a very heart-wrenching statement it's it's sad you know he he said that he believes in the justice system and if this is getting a second look then then so be it you know i don't think but i think think a lot of he feel i don't think her brother feels like it's a lock the door situation no he did say like every time we think this is over it just keeps happening yeah it's traumatizing and it hurts and we're ready and not enough attention has been put on Heyman Lee yeah. and not enough attention has been put on other suspects or anything yeah. else. The attention truly has been on Adnan. Yeah. And so I just wanted to mention that because I think it's important to keep your thoughts with Heyman Lee's family oh, as well family. because they deserve to know who killed their daughter as well. Well, and imagine if they are having doubts about Adnan at this point, imagine you've you've put that to rest in in a way or like you had pre right. previous to serial coming out you know and having to open your mind back up to the idea that whoever killed your daughter might or definitely is is not in prison that's right traumatizing for sure and to think that they've been out all this time what else have they done i mean yeah i don't think that i would be able to wrap my head around that 
Yes. Which is why I wouldn't blame them for still thinking that right. Anon did it. Because I think that sometimes we have to do what we have to the do mind to support itself. ourselves. Yeah, yeah and exactly. they've already dealt with it. They've already wrapped their heads around the idea of Adnan having done it. And so yeah. I don't know the feeling of the rest of the family. The brother's the only one who really made a public statement. I just heard things so, like throughout the years and stuff yeah. that they, you know. During Serial, I know they still very much believed that Adnan did it. Yeah. But um, now I don't know, given all of the new evidence, and yeah. maybe they're swayed by the fact that there was evidence against other people that There's was never be- presented. What so if there's we'll a see. serial season three? Uh, uh, I never listened to S Town. I wasn't interested. Oh, I listened um, to S Town. I was liked it good. It. Yeah, okay, yes, maybe I'll go back and listen to it. Um, I got a pee, so let's wrap this yep, thing wrap up. up. Okay, sounds good. Um, if there are any news stories that you want us to cover in the future, please email us at neighborhoodfeminist at gmail.com or direct message us at angry neighborhood feminist on Instagram with your ideas. We have a Facebook business and group page. You can rate and review us on the business page and chat with the other listeners on the group page. If you want some of our merch, you can go to the link in the show notes. And last but not least, if you haven't left us a review yet, please go to your Apple Podcast app and leave us a five-star review with a quick sentence about why you enjoy the show. It truly helps us a whole lot. All right, that's all we have for you today. With all that being said, we encourage you to rage on. Bye! Hi. My name is Jenny Owen-Youngs. And I am Kristen Russo. And together, we run Buffering, a rewatch adventure, a family of podcasts moving through our favorite 90s genre television. If you're a fan of Buffy the Vampire Slayer, well, great news for you. Our very first podcast adventure took us through all seven seasons of the series. We covered it spoiler-free, episode by episode. For those of you who want to start the show for the first time, you can find that podcast pretty easily. It's called Buffering the Vampire Slayer. Inside that podcast, you'll also find an original song that pairs with each glorious episode of Buffy and original character jingles for so many of our Buffy favorites. Buffering has been praised in places like Time, Esquire, Paste Magazine, and the New York Times, and we've chatted with dozens of cast members, writers, directors, and fans along the way. Come hang out and rewatch some of your favorite television with us and a wonderful community of listeners. Learn more at BufferingCast.com or find us on socials at BufferingCast.